Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning at 1030 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message as we continue our series on the beginning of the gospel with the gospel according to Luke. Here's Pastor Joel with his message, Knowing Jesus as Savior. So we've been in this mini-series the last three weeks and this week, and we'll do it next week as well, realizing there's a lot of people going on vacations and you come and go. So if you're just coming for the first time, that's, that's great. Uh, you'll, you'll get everything. You won't miss anything at all. Uh, we've been taking a look at the beginning of the gospel. Now, there's one gospel, uh, but there's four different accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we've been looking at the beginning and how each of those gospel accounts uh, starts. We looked at Matthew in a long genealogy that, remember, we preached through uh, a genealogy. Uh, that's the first time I've done, I've preached a genealogy, but I think it was very beneficial, even from just me. Uh, then we looked last week at Mark, and then this week we'll look at Luke. And before we uh, even start, though, I, wanna, I, I want to uh, introduce the writer of the, of the gospel, uh, Luke. Uh, he's called Dr. Lucas. Uh, he was a physician. Uh, he, almost all accounts uh, believe that he wasn't a Jewish person, he was a Gentile, and he never saw Jesus or the miracles. Uh, Luke was trained in the study of like observation, so a doctor, if you think of a physician, uh, trained in the, the study of ob- observing the body, looking for evidence and how things present themselves, and then, and then making a conclusion based on that, and then having the patience uh, and the wisdom to then to slow it down and then to see if that is, is true uh, or, or not. Uh, if you imagine with me what it would have been like for Dr. Luke as he joined the Apostle Paul on his last couple missionary journeys. Uh, Luke, who, who most likely parents weren't Jewish people, he hadn't seen uh, Jesus in person and was hearing all of these stories from Paul and others uh, about this Jesus who had come and was the savior of the world. Uh, something must have happened in, in Luke as uh, he heard those stories. But naturally, Luke, as a physician, wherever they went, over the hundreds and thousands of miles that they traveled, uh, Luke, at the end of the night, on that roadside or in that new house or new town or new village, uh, would have most naturally uh, gone over to Paul and taken a look at his uh, sores on his feet from all the walking. Hey, you're going to need to keep this clean. Uh, the broken bones, the beatings that he had taken, just from the message that he had just preached, Luke, the physician, would have known what to do and made recommendations. Paul, you really want to do this. Why don't you slow down, Paul? Why are we, why are we moving at such a blistering pace? You, you want to take care of your, your body. Uh, now, doctors, uh, doctors would have known uh, the observations of his body and Paul so well. And, and something about Paul and the message that he preached of Jesus uh, transformed Luke on those journeys. It transformed him so much that he didn't leave Paul's side even till the last day. He, he, when Paul was in Rome, 
uh, in prison before his death, he, he wrote a letter and gave it most likely to Luke to, to then send to a young pastor named Timothy. Uh, Timothy's dad wasn't a Jew uh, either. And as he took that letter uh, from Paul in prison, my, my guess is his heart would have been warmed and also saddened as he read the letter before they sent it off to Timothy. Uh, in 2 Timothy 4, in verse 9, uh, this is the final greetings of, uh, of Paul to Timothy. He says, do your, do your best to come to me soon, Timothy. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Domitia. Luke alone is with me. Luke was alone there to care for the needs of Paul who was in prison, who, who needed food or or clothing, or a message being sent. Luke alone was there. And from Luke's experience with Paul and hearing the message, from those years of, of traveling and then being led by the Spirit of God himself, he, he pens this uh, two-part letter uh, that we know as Luke and Acts. They're really uh, one of two parts, Luke and, and Acts. And in fact, Luke wrote the most volume in the New Testament of, of any writer, even more than Paul himself. So Luke Acts takes up more words, more space in the New Testament than anything else. Uh, we actually sit in a seat that's similar to Luke this morning. A non-Jewish person who didn't see Jesus firsthand and is taking the words and studying and interviewing and reading all the accounts and, and taking it all in and then coming to a conclusion is this true or is this not? Luke's the only gospel account uh, that begins with this personal like, message up front that states, this is my purpose and this is my intention uh, for, for writing this. Um, so if you will, if you can turn to Luke 1, we're going to read just the first four verses, Luke 1, in your pew Bible, in, right in front of you. It's on page 803, Luke 1. And if you wouldn't mind, standing one more time, as I read God's word. Luke 1, beginning in verse 1. From the, the hands of Paul, led by the Spirit. God's word. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely, for some time, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that have been taught. Uh, like uh, Luke is going to write the story of Jesus for the purpose that uh, Theophilus uh, will have certainty of what he has heard, certainty of who Jesus is, that the things that Jesus said were true, certain that the things that Jesus said were true, that his sins were forgiven, that he's been made new, that his shame was taken away, that he had a known future in Jesus, that we would have certainty in who Jesus is. Let's pray one more time. Lord, as we uh, come to the text, we need your Holy Spirit to, um, to open our ears, that we can hear what you, you are saying to us, that you would open our eyes so that we'll, when we look at your words, that we would see them clearly without any bias, or, or hurt, or, or prejudice, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would uh, just remove the scales from our eyes so that we could see, and Lord, that you would soften our hearts so that we can understand 
what you'd have for each one of us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have a seat. Well, this man named Theophilus. Theophilus is a Greek word meaning uh, either friend of God or loved by God. This man, Theophilus, is, uh, he's heard the stories too, and he's like kind of commissioned Luke to go, hey, I want you to look into these things, maybe probably paid him a little stipend, and I want you to write down your conclusions on what this is. And, and so Luke, uh, taking a part of this, goes, boy, I'm convinced, I'm certain of Jesus and his claims, and so now I'm going to write this down uh, for Theophilus. Certain of the claims of Jesus. How can you be certain? I mean, how can we be certain of anything? Right? Well, last November, we, uh, I was around somebody that had uh, tested positive for COVID. Has anyone had that experience? <laughs> and so I got this phone call. Uh, on a Friday that said, hey, on Monday or Tuesday, after when it was, uh, we were around each other, uh, tested positive for COVID, just want to let you know. Well, that's happened more, more than once. Happened to you, probably some of you too, you get a phone call and then you're like, okay, well, uh, I, I felt totally fine. Nothing, nothing had changed and I was certain I didn't have uh, COVID. Uh, Amy was going to a woman's retreat that weekend and was going to spend the night uh, with some other women. So she was kind of like, well, should I, I mean, it's kind of like that third-hand exposure. Should I test it just to make sure or not? And we're like, okay, let's just go ahead. And so uh, my, Friday's my day off, so we were doing some errands, and then we get home, and Amy goes in, takes a test. I'm in the living room doing something, and she comes out, and it's like, I tested positive. I tested positive for COVID. And I'm, I'm on my chair going, yeah, but there's lots of false uh, positives, like you, we're all fine, right? Have you any of you felt that? Like, it's, I mean, you're probably not. Like, just wait a while, test again, and I'm sure it's probably a faulty test or, or something. Uh, so we wait a while. We're, I mean, we're feeling fine. There's no, we're not, we're not ex experiencing any symptoms uh, of it at all. And, and Amy, sure enough, waits around, takes a test again, and tests positive again. And we're like, oh no. So I, I bet, I'm like, well, I should probably test because if she's done and then, so then I take a test and I'm positive too. And I'm like, this can't be right. We are totally, we're totally, we're totally fine. Uh, but then we're like, now we're both positive and our kids, they're all at school now. And oh, you know, just the, just the headache of all of that stuff. So we're like, okay, then our, just the dominoes of that weekend. I have somebody else have to preach for me on Sunday because I can't be around people. We go and pick up all of our kids. And as we're like, yeah, we've been tested positive for COVID. And then everyone's like, oh, stay away from here. And they send our kids out and like, I don't know, this weird things. We bring our kids all home and we're like, okay, we'll test all them. So we test all of our kids. And guess what? They all test negative. Every last one of them. And we're like, oh man, maybe we don't have COVID <laughs> because none of our kids have COVID. And so, but then we're like, okay, the, it's, let's just play it safe. We won't, we won't do anything. We won't go. In. And then, so then we're starting to the, talk to the health director of the Barlow school district thing. And we're like, our, our kids test a uh, negative. And they're like, well, um, if, if, they, if they test negative, they got to wait your quarantine, which is like 10 days or 14 days at that time, plus an additional 10 or 14 days. Uh, and, and we're like, oh, so we really want them to test positive, right? And they're, well, yeah, they would get back in school like next week. And so we're like, okay, kids, <laughs> we want you to have COVID. So we, we bought all these tests because we're like, if we could just like get them to test. So we're testing them all the time. And it's every time we test them, it's negative. And we're like, well, maybe they don't have enough 
stuff in, we don't, I'm not a doctor, if you can tell. <laughs> I, uh, maybe they don't have enough like stuff in there, like that they can register it, or maybe we didn't have COVID, or maybe we, <laughs> like, and, and so as we talk to the health director, who's having compassion for us, because our kids were out of school, like they'd be out of school for all of November, like the whole month. Uh, they're like, well, the, you, could be, you could be a little bit more certain or more sure if you went to the doctor. And that makes sense, right? You go to the doctor who has the education, the tools, uh, the, the unbiased. They don't, they don't care if you are positive or negative. They're, there's no bias in them that's desiring or hoping anything. You, you go to the doctor and they can give you a, a, a more certain prognosis uh, if you have uh, a disease or, or health thing. A more certain. But at least what I know from doctors is they won't say for certain. They just say what we know now. Because uh, certainty... It's hard to come by. But yet for Luke, as we're going to see today, for Luke, a doctor is going, here's the one thing I know. I don't know if you have COVID or not. What I do know, what I'm certain of, is the claims of Jesus. I've studied them. I've seen them. The claims of Jesus are true. Unlike medicine, Luke's account is going to give us a much stronger case for the certainty of something. To... To anyone who accepts Jesus and follows after him, we can be certain of who Jesus is and what he has done. In this ever-changing world, what we're going to see as we just kind of parse this beginning of Luke out is that Luke will give us the gift of certainty in our faith in Jesus. The gift of certainty in our faith in Jesus. And you might be sitting here today going, the gift of certainty? Really? I mean, isn't, isn't faith like the last thing you can be certain about isn't it blind faith right we just go don't tell me anything that is out there I just have to believe it uh, almost the idea of like when you come in the doors check your brain at the door because whatever I whatever it says is just what it is and and that's not the case at all Luke would emphatically say don't do that study the evidence is out there you can see you can be sure you can be certain of who Jesus is and as Christians Luke encouragement to each one of us is going to be engage your mind Study, weigh the evidence. So Luke, as he looks at the claims of Jesus, is going to look, I'm going to show you from three different perspectives this morning. The perspectives of a doctor, the perspective of a historian, and then as a missionary. A doctor, historian, and missionary. And, and th- through each of those perspectives, he's going to give us a gift of confidence that we can have in our faith in Jesus. So here's the first one. Take a notes, write this down. Number one, evidence. Luke approaches the claims of Jesus like a doctor. This is going to really speak to Gina. This is what she's going to, amen, evidence. And in and, and verse 3, Luke begins by saying this, having followed all these things closely for some time past to write an orderly account for you. I've, I, he studied these things for some time. He's looked at the evidence over a long period of time. He's talked to witnesses. He's read all the accounts. He's done all of his homework. He's listened to family and friends and people that were eyewitnesses and hear about Jesus, people that were there at the Last Supper, the the family of Jesus. Uh, If anyone was going to know if Jesus was sinful and broken and corrupt, it would have been his brother, right? His brother would have totally dogged him out. But, But why is it then that 11 of the 12 disciples end up dying? for their belief. It's like, uh, would they really do that if it, was, if it was false? 
And surely, if anything bad was going to come out, it would have been Jesus' mom or brother. And like, yeah, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't jumping to any conclusions. He didn't have any like reader bias or feelings or hope. He just looked at the evidence. And for, for Luke, as a doctor, the conclusion had to be certain because people's lives were at stake. And oftentimes, they are as a doctor. And there's too much to risk to leave any stone unturned. And so for a long time, studying up very close, like looking through a, a microscope at Jesus' life, getting every detail, taking every account that he could hear, and then comparing them against each other to see if there's any uh, discrepancies or anything false that he could find, he comes to a conclusion. He says, I've, as I've done all this stuff. I've, I've looked really close for a long period of time. I, I've, I've come to certainty that it's true. It's all true. Everything Jesus said and did, it's true. You can base your life around it. And if Luke was here this morning, if he was preaching this sermon, he would say, but don't take my word for it. Engage your mind. Study for yourself. Interview. Ask questions. The evidence is there of who Jesus is and what he claimed to be true. Well, if you're here this morning and you have, like, I don't know if that's for certain or, or not, I actually want to give you uh, two gifts on your way out. You can choose one of them or both of them or, or neither of them. Uh, there's more than a carpenter, uh, which is a very simple, if you're looking for evidence uh, of what Jesus is, uh, Curtis has got them back there, uh, more than a carpenter and then a case for faith. And they're just, let's, let's engage our minds to see what the claims that Jesus said, if they're true or not. Uh, because Luke, as he begins his account, as a doctor is going, look, I've studied this, I've seen it I've, over and over again, and I'm telling you it's true. You can know for certain. There's a gift of evidence of, of who Jesus is. Here's the second gift. It's the gift of experience. The gift of experience. We'll notice how Luke really approaches the claims of Jesus as a historian. Uh, Luke's known as a historian, especially as he wrote Acts. It's the history of uh, the church and how the gospel uh, spread. Uh, Luke, he takes the account and the claims of Jesus and looks at it from a broad stroke through a rearview mirror over a long period of time. Uh, the, the book of Acts covers about 30, 33 years. And, and so Luke is looking back over decades uh, of history. And, and as he's looking back, he's going... God said this, and it's true. God said that, and it came true. When God said this, we didn't know, and we were full of doubts, but it came true. Over and over again, over 30-plus years, he looks back and goes, what God said is true, and what Jesus claimed, and everything about what Jesus is is true. You can see it from a long view and a rearview mirror. Experience, then, gives him certainty He's saying, not only did I see the evidence and I, and I studied the evidence, I've also experienced it and lived it myself. So as he begins his story, he puts out these two parallel accounts of these birth stories of unlikely pregnancies. Uh, there's John the Baptist and then Jesus. In verse 5 through 25, it's really the story uh, of a priest who gets his one time to really go into the temple and uh, serve in the middle of the temple. His name is Zechariah. And as he's in the, in the temple and the middle serving to the Lord, an angel comes to Zechariah and, and tells him, hey, uh, you're, you're really old and your wife is barren and you can't have kids. We're really reminding us of the Abraham and Sarah story. Uh, look, I know where you're at, but you're going to have a son. And this son is going to bring joy because he's going to turn the hearts of the people back 
uh, back to the Lord. He's going to open their eyes so that they can see who Jesus truly is. And Zechariah, the high priest, the representative of Israel, this high man, uh, responds in verse 18, 118. It says this, And Zechariah said to the angel, Yeah, how can I be sure? I mean, how can I, how can I really know this? Because I'm an old man, and my wife... She's really old, too. And the angel answered him, I'm Gabriel. Uh, Zechariah says, I'm old. The angel says, I'm Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But if you have doubts, if you don't believe it, it doesn't mean God's word's not going to come true. In fact, uh, I don't want you to speak. You're going to be mute, and I just want you to watch. Uh, I said you're going to have a son, and this son is going to be used by the Lord, Uh, so let's wait nine months and see, right? Let's wait nine months, and then you will get to experience, is the word word of the Lord true or not? And sure enough, nine months goes by, uh, and, and you would think that the evidence before that would have been enough that he wasn't like, hey, you should go running or something. Like, you should think that he would be like, hey, something's going on to my wife or her belly's getting bigger. But, but the Lord's like patient in that going, I told you you're going to have a son and he's going to be used by God. Just, just watch. Just take a long, like nine months, just watch what's going to happen. And as soon as that nine months come up, Zechariah goes, it's true. I didn't believe it, but it's true. I didn't think it was even possible, but God's word is true. I've experienced it. He said I was going to have a child in my old age, and I had a child in my old age. And so taking that experience then, Zechariah, after the birth of his son, goes, if God's word is true to me in the most unlikely of situations, then I think it holds true in every situation. So he prophesies, beginning in verse 68. He says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old. Just like that angel spoke to me, verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, and to show the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. We'll stop right there. If Zechariah would have been here this morning, he would have said, you got to believe it. I didn't. I doubted. I looked at the evidence and I'm like, I don't really know. But, but now I've experienced it. I've lived it. What God said is true. You can be certain that what God says, he's going to follow through on. Now, I don't know where you are this morning. If you have doubts or you're in the middle of a trial or you've been walking through some very tough things and you're like, yeah, but how do I know? And God just saying, just keep walking with me. Uh, because you can, you can ask uh, people like Dean and Eunice, 
hey, tell, tell me if God has been faithful or not. And they'll tell you over 89 years, God's been faithful. Uh, when, we didn't know, when we didn't know how it was going to go, when we had doubts if God was going to, to rescue us or bring us through this, if he was going to be there in the midst of our trials, and, and people that can look back over a long view in the rearview mirror can go, God's faithful, God's faithful, God's faithful. And so wherever you're at this morning, and it might be like in the midst of it, like I don't know how this is going to work out. Where is God in all this thing? Uh, stay with him and know and experience the faithfulness of God so that you can be certain of what God said to be true. There's a gift of evidence. There's a gift of experience. And here's the last one, the gift of evangelism. And we'll notice here just how Luke approaches the claims of of Christ as a missionary, as an evangelist. He's known as uh, St. Luke the Evangelist. He's he's really a missionary to the Gentile world, to us. Uh, Once Luke, he saw the evidence and he experienced uh, the claims of Christ in his own life for a long period of time. He writes a letter to Theophilus. uh, And the purpose of the letter is so that Theophilus could be certain. Uh, He had been certain and he was like, I, I know, I, did, I doubted it, I didn't believe it, and now I'm certain of who Jesus is. And so now I want to give you the gift, Theophilus. I want you to know, you to be certain. So I'm going to, I'm going to painstakingly write all this thing down and make sure it's saved for you so that you can know. And, and that's really a gift uh, to Luke, because, and even to all of us, as, as we see the gospel spreading to other people, other cultures, other languages, uh, and all that stuff, it, it confirms with us that God's at work in everything, if you've ever gone on a missions trip or overseas experience, if you've ever experienced someone that you're like, oh yeah, God can't reach them, and then all of a sudden their life has changed, and it, it, it's certainty for you, like, man, if God can move in their life, and their life, and their life, I'm sure he's going to move in my life too. Well, across the cultures and languages and everywhere that Luke went and proclaimed the, the gospel of Jesus, and saw lives changed. It was just certainty for, for Luke to go on. Now this is what I want to do. I want to make sure that you are certain of Jesus and your faith in him. He sees the good, the bad, the ups and downs. The, this crazy world where everything seems totally uncertain. And, and Luke wants to say there's one thing we can be certain of. And that's Jesus. Whoever comes into power or out of power, whatever fads are in place, whatever social media is doing, whatever all those things are always changing, there's one thing that's constant and sure, and that's Jesus. So look for yourself. Study over time. Ask people. Ask people that have walked with Jesus a long time. What's your experience been like? When has Jesus let you down? And see what their answer is. Have a long, eternal view of this life. Because whatever you're facing... You need to know for certain that God's going to use it for his glory and for your good. In a world where we get tossed and turned all over, the word of God is our foundation, it's our anchor. So if you're not certain this morning, that's the gift that Luke wants to give you. That you can be certain that your sins are forgiven. That you can be certain that he's giving you a meaning and a purpose in this life. You're not just wandering around aimlessly. And he's giving you a future and a hope in him. Let me end with these words from uh, Luke as he listens to the, uh, the Apostle Peter as he preaches in the book of, in the book of Acts uh, about all these claims uh, that he's just presented in, in Luke. Uh, and all these people who uh, 
maybe some of them had and some of them haven't, but, but a lot of them had been there to see and they could ask these eyewitnesses and corroborate things and they could see the evidence of it. They could see their own life and how God had moved and, and worked. And then Acts 2 in verse 36, this is Luke writing down Peter's, uh, Peter's speech. He says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. You thought things were off the rails, but they're not. God's purpose and plan is secure. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brother, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That's us. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So you have to know this morning, God is calling you. And if he's calling you, you can know for certain that your sins are forgiven, that you have a hope and a future in him because of the substitutionary uh, exchange of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection. So we can be certain. Is that a good thing, church? Amen. Thank you, Dr. Luke, for giving us those gifts. Let me pray, and we'll invite the worship team to come back up. Lord, in an uncertain, tossy, turvy world, uh, to know that your word stands secure, that the work of Jesus has been done, and there's nothing that a president or king or government can do to overturn it. And that we can rest secure in that. We can know for certain that Jesus is who he says he is. That we can put our faith in him and experience uh, his faithfulness in our own lives. And as we engage our minds and read and study, Lord, there's, there's so much at stake. So if anyone even here has uh, questions and they're not quite certain, Lord, I, I pray that you would give them the motivation, uh, the courage to lean in and engage and learn for themselves and see and test for themselves and come to the conclusion that uh, who you are is certain and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, Thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.